Well, praise the Lord. Haven't you been blessed? Amen? I praise the Lord. There are folk all over the United States of America today who are in the pulpits that are afraid to put the American flag up there in the church. They think y'all going to worship the flag instead of worshiping God. How many of you feel like you've been in the presence of God today? Amen. God bless America. 245 years ago, the Declaration of Independence was signed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We praise the Lord. We're worshiping God, but we're thanking God that we live in America. And I'll be honest with you, if you don't like America, I don't see them lined up anywhere else to go, but we'll, lie, we'll help you go wherever you want to go. Amen? Praise the Lord. Turn, if you would, now to Exodus chapter 32. We're going through the book of Exodus on Sunday morning, perusing through it and uh, having a great time. And we're down to chapter 32, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, 32 verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off their golden earrings, which were in their ears, brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool, and after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink, and they rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. And they've made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Father, thank you this morning, all the blessings Lord, you've already bestowed upon us, not only today, but in days past. Lord, we thank you for the greatest blessing of all, that one day you're going to return, and you're going to take us where you are. And Lord, uh, uh, there's trials and tribulations we've got to go through here on this earth. There are times, Lord, when we're going to be wore out, we're going to be weary, but Lord, we're not going to grow faint. We're going to continue to be steadfast looking forward to the day that you come again. I ask you, Lord Jesus, in this service, make yourself known to every one of us in this building. Don't let any of us leave here untouched by the power of your Holy Spirit. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you again for joining us here on the 4th of July holiday. Thank you for all of those who are watching by live stream. My prayer is that you'll be blessed. If you're watching by live stream, there'll not be a live stream tonight because we'll be at Mason Creek in the Family Life Center. So you have to come join us in person at 6 o'clock if you want to be a part of that service there. Uh, Dr. George W. Truitt, pastor at First Baptist Church Dallas for many, many years, wrote this in the mid-40s. It was about 1943 or 44, somewhere in there like that. He said this, and I'm quoting, If change does not come and we go on the same unbroken way, the tendency is toward materialism and pure atheism. I'd say that was a pretty good prophet right there, amen? Now listen, that's not where he stops. He said, but my fellow men, it is not a time for inaction or hesitation or cowardness to the world's call. If ever there was a time when every man and woman in this country should dedicate the highest and the best to a cause, this is that time. I'd say amen again. I'd say this is the time when we need to dedicate ourselves to the cause before us. Now, this is where he gets kind of hairy because our generation has never known what it's like to have a depression. We've never known what it's like to be in a world war. This is what he says, and I'm quoting word for word. It will rest our hearts to remember some things. It will rest our hearts to remember that it is far better to save America than to save Americans. Now, folks, that's kind of tough. Some of you mamas here saying, not my boy. He goes on to say, that is to say that some things are worth dying for. The sanctity of womanhood is worth dying for. The sanctity of womanhood in a poor, little, oppressed Belgium is worth dying for. The safety of childhood is worth dying for. The integrity of the state is worth dying for. The majesty of righteousness is worth dying for. The freedom and honor of the United States of America are worth dying for. And to make this world a safer place in which humanity may live, that is worth any man's life and any man's death. So it is not a place nor a time for any man to be a slacker or for any man to be a croaker. Some things are worth dying for. And I say again, it is far better to save America than to save Americans. Wow. Wow. Let's just get gut level honest with each other this morning. There's not a person in this sanctuary today that is going to change the United States of America. You're not going to do it. There's not a person under my voice that's going to change the United States of America. Godly men have gone to Washington before. Some of them corrupt within 30 days after they get there. Our system is set up that way. Congress is that way. If you vote this for my state here, then later on I'll vote this for your state. And they scratch each other's back, and we spend millions of dollars trying to figure out why a spotted owl wants to sit in this certain kind of tree or why a whooping crane won't land on dry land. We spend millions and millions and millions of dollars while veterans and homeless people wander around in need today. 
That's the America we live in. It is broken. So what, what, what can we do? What can we do? I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not overly excited about anybody I see on the horizon to become the new president of the United States of America. I mean, there's nobody just, well, you know, well, not this guy's going to do this. Yeah, but I'm talking about a godly man who stands on biblical principles. You know, we, we've compromised so many ways. There's nobody here going to be able to help America. And when you come to the 32nd chapter of the book of Ex, uh, Exodus, the theme of it, I think, I'm just going to rename it the theme, somebody got to come off that mountain. And I would say to you that you may not be able to change America. I think you can through prayer because we can pray for a spiritual awakening and that's what it's going to take in America. God's the only one going to change America. You're not going to do it. But if we could maybe focus this morning on what we can do, maybe somebody could come off that mountain and help their family. Maybe somebody could come off that mountain and help their church help the area that they live in. When you come to Exodus chapter 32, Moses is up on the mountain. And from all accords, he's having a wonderful time. Listen, anytime you're with God, it's going to be a great time. He's been up there and he's having a great time. But the people down below, they get, they're getting worried. We don't know if he's going to come back. We don't know if some bear got him or some lion got him. We don't ever know if he's ever returning again. So they go to the priest, Aaron. Be careful who you leave in charge. Amen? I mean, listen, it's only been three months. Three months. They were in slavery for 400 years. God has delivered them. It's been 90 days ago. They don't know if Moses is coming back. So they go to Aaron. You would have thought Aaron would have said, hey, wait a minute, guys. Don't you think we maybe just ought to hold off a, a day or two? Maybe we ought to pray about this? No, no, no. They go to Moses and say, hey, Mo, uh, they go to Aaron and say, make us a, uh, an idol that we can follow. And he said, y'all bring all your gold jewelry. And they brought all that gold jewelry. And he fashions a molten calf is what the word of God says. Now, in the middle of all that, in East Texas vernacular, God got hacked off. He said, uh, you see, God knows everything. He knows where you are. You think you're running from him. You ain't running from him. He knows where you are. And so he knows what's going on on the mountain. They're having a great time. But he also knows what's going on down on the valley. And so he tells Moses, <clears throat> Moses, you better get out off the mountain. And you better go down there and straighten those people out. Now, he gets down there, according to the Word of God, and they're having a party. They're naked. They've been offering offerings, and the Bible says they rose up to play. There was noise in the camp, and it wasn't worshiping Jehovah. Now, listen to me. It's not the heathen that's worshiping the golden calf. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not the reprobates that pool their money together to make the golden calf. It's not the world that went to Aaron. It, it, it's the people of God. It's the people who saw the water turn to blood just 90 days ago. 
It's the people who saw the frogs everywhere, stinking, except where they were. Didn't bother Israel. It's the people who saw the lice and the flies and the pestilence of the livestock. It's the ones who saw the boils on their faces and their necks and their arms and all. But not the nation of Israel. They didn't experience any of that. It's the people who saw the thunderstorms of hail and fire and the locusts and the darkness for three days. It's the people who saw the firstborn of every Egyptian family die in the night. And not a one of the Israelites who had the blood over the doorpost of their house died. These are the people, 90 days later, who said, build us an idol. Give us something different. It's the same people who saw the Red Sea open up. And the people walked through on dry ground, not muddy, not wet. It's dry. It's the same people who look back, and here comes the Egyptian army, and the waters close up and destroys the entire Egyptian army 90 days before. They saw the manna from heaven. They saw the water come out of the rock. They saw the people destroyed that came against Israel. They come to a place where they start calling good evil and evil good. And they built a false idol. And they're worshiping it like that thing could deliver them. God says, Moses, I, I love the fellowship we got down here, up here. But somebody got to come off this mountain. Somebody has got to come off this mountain. So much like America today, where people call good evil and evil good. And, and you wonder, and I wonder, what, what can I do? What can we do? What can we make a difference in, in our area, in our churches, in our homes, in our individual lives? I want to be the person, preacher, that comes down off the mountain and stands up for God. What kind of person is that? Well, let me give you four things quickly. Number one, it's got to be a person that's been in the presence of God. Now, listen to me. You can't come down the mountain if you ain't never been up the mountain. You can't help somebody if you've never been helped. And we got a lot of folk today who have never been helped, who are trying to help people. And then we got others who have been helped and have been healed and have been blessed, but they're slacking off. We got to get this thing right. These people need to see God. They saw God. The glory of God had fallen on them. And, and listen, we need today to be doctrinally straight. We are. We need to be according to the Word of God. We need to be theologically straight. Bless God, that's important. But I'll tell you one thing. I've come in my later years of life to realize that you can be straight and just dead at 4 o'clock. What we need is some men of God and some women of God who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God who said, I've been in the presence of God. You don't have to tell anybody you've been in the presence of God because they'll know you've been in the presence of God. It's good to come to the house of God where we pray and read the Bible and sing, but all is vain unless the Spirit of the Lord comes down. It's great to be reading this book. You ought to be reading it every morning. You ought to be reading it every night. You ought to be reading it during lunch. But if you're reading this book 
and you don't have a zeal to see God, you've missed the boat. I mean, if you're going to help somebody, you've got to have been in the presence of God. Job said it, oh, that I knew where I might find him. The psalmist said it, whom have I on earth beside thee and whom in heaven but thee? Augustine taught that man was made for God, that no man can find real and sufficient rest until he rests in God. Hey, we can give people meals. We can pay utilities. We can pay house rents. We can help people. But if we don't give them Jesus, we've missed the whole boat. We've got to be in the presence of God. If you're going to help, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. we got to be in the presence of God. If you're going to help somebody, you've got to be in the presence of God. You've got to have been in the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, it'll change your life. It'll change your attitude. It'll change everything about you. So you got to be in the presence of God. Number two, if you really want to help somebody, you, you got to believe and practice the Word of God. I mean, this Bible is the Word of God. It's inerrant. It's inspired. I mean, you, you can't get two people to agree on anything. We're, our kids are gone, and so we're, we're going to eat out after church today. If somebody invite us, it would help me. Otherwise, I'll tell you what's going to happen. We're going to get in the car, and I'll say, where do you want to go? Well, wherever you want to go. <laughs> well, how about, no, nah, I really don't want that. <laughs> huh? Am I the only one doing that? No. Huh? <laughs> no. You, you can't get two people to agree on anything, and yet 40 different authors over a 1,600-year period wrote this book and everything jives together. Nothing's ever been disproved. How does that happen? They got the same author. It's the Holy Ghost of God. That's how it, that's how it happens. And if you're going to help people, you've got to help them based on the Word of God, not on your opinions. Good. Gracious, have mercy. If you love somebody, you ought to tell them the truth. I, let me just kind of waver off here and chase a bird. This week, Nevada, their Miss America contestant for Miss America in Nevada is a transgender. Now, that means that she's a woman, but she's really a man dressed up like a woman. And I'm thinking, and the first thought was, what, who would enter a con? And then I'm getting, who is the judges of that? Huh? Where did they find somebody? You have to look at them and say, who ties your shoelace every morning? I mean, where do you get judges like that that come up with somebody like that? That's sin. And I've been pleased. And, and let me tell you, our young people, what a tremendous group they were. I know y'all sitting up there in the high rafter somewhere up there in the back 40. But they, they've done a great job this week. I'm so proud of them. You know, just in watching their attitudes and helping other people at restaurants where we stopped and different things that they did. But I want to tell you, our young people need to be taught the Word of God. They don't need to be lied to. Guys, I want to tell you, homosexuality is a sin. It's wrong. 
You say, preacher, I've got that temptation. You can have that temptation, but I'm telling you, it's a temptation that comes from Satan, and it's sin. And your pastor, listen to me, I'll love you in the middle of your sin. I'll do anything for you, period. But I'm not going to stand up here and lie and tell you that you can live any way you want to live, and God's going to wink, and he's going to bless you, and you're going to keep on going. Because judgment's going to come. God said, go down there. God's getting ready to wipe this whole group out. He said, leave me alone, Moses. Quit praying for him. Let my anger wax hot, because I'm fixing to consume them. Our own Southern Baptist Convention. If you read anything, it's turmoil. <laughs> Nobody trusts anybody. The trust level's at an all-time low, and we blame everything on somebody else. He does it here. Look at verse 22. Aaron said, don't, I, don't get mad at me. You know the people that they set on mischief. Adam said the same. Lord, it's this woman you gave me. <laughs> I mean, we've been blaming other people all along. We live in our society and we give into the pressure of our society because we don't want to take a stand. Somebody got to come off the mountain. He blamed nature. He said, I cast it into the fire and whoof, out came a calf. Anybody, anybody remember Flip Wilson? The devil made me do it. We, we blame nature. It's just the way I am. Uh, Listen to this quote from Dr. Adrian Rogers. He says, friend, let me tell you something concerning sin. This is good. Listen, if you perk up, poke your wife and say, listen, this is going to be good. This is Adrian Rogers. Let me tell you something concerning sin. God will accept repentance. God will accept confession. But God will never accept an alibi for sin. Mm. And then he, he just... He quits preaching and starts meddling. He said, if you've got a vicious temper, mm, got quiet. <laughs> if you've got a vicious temper and you go talking about how temper runs in your family and you can't help it, you just inherited it, you'll never get rid of your temper. You want to get rid of your temper? Confess your temper to God as a vile sin. Don't alibi for it. Don't go talking about how the kids made you lose your temper. How your boss is so terrible, nobody can work under those conditions. Just say, oh, God, I'm a sinner. God, have mercy on me, and God, forgive me. That's where we need to be this morning, according to the Word of God. Quit alibying. Every one of us in this room have justified what we want to do, but God still calls it sin. Got to be a man that's been in the presence of God. It's got to be a man or woman that will live by the Word of God. And then it's got to be somebody who really has a desire for people to be saved and to be healed. I had an associate. My wife knows him well. <laughs> she said, don't hire him. I did anyway. He came in one day and he said, you know, I'd like working here if it wasn't for the people. I said, well, I think it's all about the people. We don't miss the whole boat. Look, look at verse 10. God is speaking. He said, now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and, and I listen, and I will make of thee a great nation. You know what's happened here in verse 10? God has literally laid the nation into the hands of Moses. Now, I'm not sure what most preachers would do 
most of the preachers that are, are looking for a big name and all, this would have been the time when they said, you know what, you're right, God, these people never have been right. I mean, they've been a headache from day one. Wipe them out. And God says, I'm going to make thee a great nation with Moses. Moses didn't say that. Look at verse 11. Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why don't thy wrath wax hot against thy people? Thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say for mischief he brought them out? Verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And then verse 14, and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Moses said, God, these are your people. I got a burden for these people. Lord, if you're going to wipe somebody out, wipe me out, but save these people. Is anybody walking around here today because you prayed, God, if, if it comes to me or them, take me. They need you. They need to be saved. I love them so much. I want them to be saved. I'm willing to give up my life so that they can come to know Jesus. He said, Lord, these are your people. He said, if you do this, Egypt's going to be triumphant and Israel's going to be destroyed. They're going to mock you. And then you promised Abraham, Isaac, and Israel that, uh, Lord, you've got to keep your word. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. James 5.16, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now listen to me this morning. Do not underestimate the wrath of God. Don't underestimate the wrath of God. In our country, we've murdered more than 50 million babies. Don't you underestimate the wrath of God. He's not going to just say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to let that slide. No, there's going to be judgment's going to come. So well, how do I avoid it? How can I, how can, listen, your only protection, your family's only protection against the wrath of God is in Jesus Christ. It's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, to wait on his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Your only hope this morning to avoid the wrath of God is to come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's your only hope. You say, oh, I've read some books on how to be a good leader. and You read that and throw them in the trash. I'm telling you, it's got to be through the blood of Jesus or you're going to experience the wrath of God. Every person in this auditorium is going to live for eternity. All, the only difference is some folk are going to live in a place called heaven and some folk are going to live in a place called hell. And I remind you again, hell is not full of people that God rejected. Hell is full of people that rejected God. You've got an opportunity this morning to say, I don't want to experience the wrath of God. I want to come to Jesus Christ and you can be saved. Or you've got the same opportunity to say, I don't want any part of it. I'll stand on my own. Get ready. Well, it's got to be a person that's been in the presence of God. It's got to be somebody who's walking by the Word of God and believes the Word of God. It's got to be somebody who's got a burden. Somebody that's got to love people, wants to see people saved. Not only 
from salvation, uh, but they the, through salvation, but wants to see people saved from hurt and 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 harm. Let me give you this last one. You want to help people, you need to be a person that knows that God will never leave you. Amen. You can always depend on God. I, I love verse 31 of chapter 32. And Moses returned unto the Lord. <laughs> you know why he returned unto the Lord? Because he knew he had somewhere to return to. I'm telling you, our Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. The devil's greatest tool is to try to convince us that we're in this thing alone. And I'm telling you this morning, if you've got the Lord Jesus Christ, if he lives in your heart, he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fall flat on your face. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fall into sin. But I want to tell you what it does mean is that you can rebuke the devil because you may get lonely, but you'll never be alone because Christ is always there. Almost 18 years ago, coming to be your pastor, my wife and I were talking, and now she would never say anything to one of y'all. Never derogatory. She just smiles. But she'll talk straight to me at home. And we were talking about coming to, to Woodland Hills. And she said, you know, you've brought all of this on yourself. And, and <laughs> she said, you know, we didn't have to start a daycare in Southeast Texas. You did that. We didn't have to start a Christian school in Southeast Texas. You did that. We didn't have to relocate in Southeast Texas. You did that. We didn't have to build new buildings in Southeast Texas. I said, babe, we're going to come to Longview, this established church. They don't, they, they don't, they, they got plenty of buildings. They ain't going to build a building. <laughs> plenty of buildings. They don't have a daycare. They don't have a Christian school. They're not buying new property. It's, I just, I'm just going to be able to study and just get deep in the Word and just enjoy life. There's only one building in this whole property that was here 18 years, well, two. The Fellowship Hall was a gym, and, and there's an old blue building out here, the shack that was here. Outside of that, every new building has been built here. The daycare, we're fixing to do the school, and I'm a lot older now than I was 18 years ago. Stress, tremendous. I remember sitting, talking with her, when we came here, there was only Brother Aaron. And uh, part-time, he was a student at ETBU, a part-time secretary, and we had a part-time youth uh, lady. And uh, there's just not a whole lot to worry about. Where I left, we had 40 employees. And every two weeks, I was the one sweating in the middle of the night to make sure they all got paid. I'm thinking, I'm going to go to Longview, and I ain't going to have that problem. Now we've got 47 or 48 employees here. 
I want to tell you, God's shown me I don't have to be a great theologian. I just need to be the shepherd of the flock. There's going to come a day when I'm going to give an account for how this church has operated and how we followed the Lord. It's me. It's not you. There are times when, bless God, I want everybody to be involved. There are other times when God says, you do this, period. It's possible to be lonely, but it's never possible to be alone because Christ is always with us. And I want to tell you now, I'm not giving a weeping story. I wouldn't have it any other way. I, ain't, ain't nobody enjoys life more than I do right now. What a joy to be your pastor, to be the pastor of these young people. I saw them this week, little old lady trying to get down a sidewalk, a little man. And man, our group went over there and helped them uh, get them down off of that sidewalk. Good grief. Holding doors open for people. I saw our young people do things that I didn't, I didn't think young people did anymore. It was a great blessing. And while we're here, let me just pause just a moment and say, because it's, my son is a youth minister, and it's, it's, it, I'm probably tougher on him than I am anybody else on the staff. <laughs> but I want to tell you, in the last four or five years, he and his wife have missed their anniversary every day, every time. Their anniversary happened while he was on youth camp. It happens almost every year. Not many youth ministers would do that. And I thank God for all of our staff. But I was, publicly, I thank God for my son. He's done a great job. I appreciate that. Well, we got to wrap it up. You got to be in the presence of God. In the presence of God. You got to walk by the Word of God. You got to have a burden or a desire to see people saved, and then you've got to know that you're never alone. And I want to tell you, for a daddy maybe that needs to come off the mountain and set his family down and say, look, mm, this is not going to work today. We're going to change. We're going back to the Word of God. You're going to need, you're going to need each other. But God is always there. It may be you're a daddy that needs to do that. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher that needs to do that. It may be that, that you're sitting in this auditorium and you've never been saved. You can't come off the mountain if you've never been up to the mountain. And you need to come to Jesus more than anything else. We're going to have what we call an invitation. All that is is a public time of profession. You say, preacher, I don't want to do it publicly. Listen, the bottom line is this. If you want, if you want to glorify God in the middle of other Christians and everything, you don't have a chance going out here in this world. God don't have any secret disciples. You say, well, if I come down there, somebody's going to think. No, they're not. If they are, they're wrong. They ought to be rejoicing and praising the Lord for you being saved. You say, well, I, I'm supposed to have been saved years ago. You can go on supposed to if you want to. I was reading this morning, Lake Fork now has become the best bass uh, lake in the United States. And I was, uh, <laughs> I was reading about a guy uh, from Lake Conroe this morning that won the, the best, the, the biggest bass uh, ever caught out of Lake Conroe. And it was in a tournament, 
And he went to claim the prize. Everything was legal, except one thing. There was a rule in the bass tournament that you had to wear the bass tournament cap. He took that cap off and put on his lucky cap. His lucky cap cost him $50,000 that day. Now, let me tell you, I, I, you, you can sit here and think, I'm going to come to Jesus next week. I'm going to come when I want. No, you're not. You're going to come when he calls you or you're not going to come. And if he's calling you today, I'm begging you come to Jesus. Father, thank you again today. How good you are to us. Lord, we love you and praise you and ask you, Lord Jesus, to move in this crowd today. Let your Holy Spirit bring conviction. And Lord, help us not to alibi. Help us not to blame it on somebody else. God, help us this morning to man up and say, I want to be the man that comes down off of that mountain. I want to be the person that lives by the Word of God. I want to have a burden for my family and friends, and, and I want to know that God never leaves me nor forsakes me. Lord, have your way in these days, in these moments, in these hours. In Jesus' name, amen.